Coming up next on Abounding Grace. To dismiss the supernatural leaves a person spiritually bankrupt. They have nothing on which to build their lives. They're building their lives like that illustration that Jesus gave on the shifting sands. And although they might have a beautiful house, and although their life might look wonderful, although they have the the newest things and, and the impressiveness of their life, I want you to know it's when the storms come that reveals the foundation of a life. It's the same with you. This is amazing grace. Hey, thanks for tuning our way. This is Abounding Grace, and we'll hand things over to Pastor Ed Taylor in a moment. He's in a series on the Holy Spirit and currently unveiling the manifestations of the Spirit that we find in 1 Corinthians 12. As we read our Bibles, we notice God did some amazing miracles, from the parting of the Red Sea to saving Daniel from being eaten in a lion's den, or how about Jonah being swallowed up by a big fish and living to tell about it? But does God still do miracles today? Let's find out. We're in the middle of looking at the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, seeing the beautiful power and presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. It's important to know because the Bible says that we're not to be ignorant of these things. We're to know them. We're to understand them. How easy it is to take the word of God and reduce it down to a few principles, a few practices. And if you just keep the principles and you just keep the practices, then, hey, you're going to be okay. But if you choose that route, you're not shooting for God's highest because God's highest is an unpredictable, unknowable leading of his spirit. You just don't know what's up ahead, except that you know that God is going to be with you when you get there. And it's so unpredictable. I think that's what scares people. Well, I want to know what God's going to do. He's not going to tell you until you get there. He says, be faithful now. Here in John chapter 14, Jesus is ascending into heaven. And he tells the disciples, pick up with me in verse 15 of John 14. He tells the disciples, he's preparing them for his departure. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Full submission. True relationship. Keep the commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Or in some of your translations, it says comforter. That word another, if you want to just jot it down next to it, that word another means another of the same kind. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. Not a force, not an it, but the very Spirit of God being sent by the Father through Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to send you another That he would abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. That's why the world doesn't understand you. It might even frustrate you, where you're not able to connect necessarily, or there's not an ability to, a meeting of the minds, because the worldly mind doesn't connect with the spiritual mind. Jesus warned us about it. He said, be prepared. The world doesn't receive him. 
that's a danger. Just by the way, when, when you start to not be received by those in the world, you're at a very critical spot because you're at a point of decision. Will you continue on in the power and the presence of the Spirit? Or will you, will you lower your lifestyle? Will you lower your, will you begin to compromise? Will you do whatever you can to meet their minds and to make them understand? They're not going to. It's going to require the presence of the Lord, a conviction of the Spirit. Because it neither sees him, it says, verse 17, or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I love verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. You're not going to be alone. As believers, you have the Spirit of God. Now, with that in mind, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. By way of review, since it's been a few weeks, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, picking up at verse 1. Because we have been camping in the middle section, looking at the manifestations of the Spirit. Now concerning spirituals, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now right away, some of you may have noticed I didn't say the word gifts. It says spiritual gifts, but the word gifts is in italics. It was added, when you see those words in italics, when it's not a quotation of the Old Testament, it's added by the translators to try to help us understand the essence of the Greek language. That's what the New Testament was written in, Hebrew and the Old Testament. So the word's really not there in the original language. The word really is spiritual or spiritualities. Pneumatikos is the Greek there. Concerning things pertaining to the spirit is what 1 Corinthians 12 is all about. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now he gets into various categories of spirituals. The first category, verse 4, is the diversities of gifts or varieties of gifts given by the same Spirit. Your spiritual gift is found in Romans chapter 12. There are seven motivational spiritual gifts given. Every believer has been given at least one. Many believers see multiple gifts operating in their life. We've seen already that I used to think that as Ephesians was mentioned, Ephesians 4... Romans chapter 12, and now 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you count them all up, there's 21, 22 different spiritual things mentioned, and most just lump it into one big bucket and say, that's your spiritual gifts. But that's not what the Bible says. We see it right here, that there are diversities of gifts. Where are those gifts found? Romans chapter 12. You want to know what your spiritual gift is. The thing that motivates you in ministry the thing that you don't even have to think twice about. It's just who you are. You love it. You enjoy it. It'll move you to action. You see yourself moving in that direction, whether it's the gift of leading, the gift of mercy, the gift of teaching. There are seven of them. In Romans chapter 12, you can just jot it down in verse 4, the word charisma is used, the word for gift. And you want to know what your spiritual gift is, the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. The gifts are prophecy, speaking forth the word of God, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. And every one of you, as you look at your life, you will fit in one of those categories. And we spent 
seven full weeks looking at each one individually. If you still have been here now for many weeks and you don't know what your spiritual gift is, listen to those studies and pray. And talk to somebody that's been around you for a while. Talk to someone that's watched your life. Talk to someone that sees you, even if you've gotten saved later in life, they knew you before you were saved, and now they see you, and they're like, just look. You're just, you have that desire to serve. You, you serve so much that you don't know when to stop. You have to have people in your life saying, that's just, go home. I don't want to go home. I love to serve. I'm going to keep going. I'm the Energizer Bunny. Da, 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 da. I'm going to keep going. No, just, it's okay. You, you, you know, those that have the gift of service, they feel guilty when they're not serving. Not all of you feel guilty when you're not serving, but some of you do. It could be that you're gifting. You have the gift of prophecy. You just seem to be able, spiritually, to take the word of God and God inspires you to take the word of God and speak it directly into someone's life. And one of the outgrowths of that is you people don't like to be around you all that much. Sort of like the gift of exhortation. Not that they don't like you, it's just they don't like the fact that you can see right through them. Most people like to live around people that can't see deeply at all. But these spiritual gifts, they get right to the heart. If you're a teacher, then you just love to teach. You love to help people understand. And it could be in the spiritual realm. The spiritual gifts are not limited to the church. In the sense that they're only used when you're on the property serving at the ministry application. You may be a teacher in the public school system gifted with the spiritual gift of teaching. And you're at the perfect place to use that gift under the Lord. Others of you, you have that ability to lead or administrate. That's just what you do. You don't even have to think about it. You see something and you immediately try to put it in order. Even if nobody asked you to put it in order. And you see these all laying out. And I know that as you listen to those Bible studies and you pray, God will reveal to you exactly where you're gifted. It'll be so freeing for you to know not only where you're gifted, but then to move in that direction, not against the flow of the Spirit, but with the flow of the Spirit. That's the diversities of gifts in verse 4. The second category are the differences of ministries, but the same Lord. These are found in Ephesians chapter 4. You could call these the special assignments that God has given to gifted men in the ministry to the church. Ephesians chapter 4. These are special assignments that various men have in the ministry and they are used, and some women, that are used to help build maturity in the church. Ephesians 4. And then this third category are these diversities of activities. But it's the same God. The word here literally means energy. The beautiful thing about this is that You could have two people with the same exact gifting go forward with that gifting in two totally different ways. Because there's different energies, there's different activities. That's why you can't get a a group together and go, oh, everybody that's gifted with teaching, this is the way you teach. No, no. There are different energies, different activities, different needs, or you could say different applications by the Spirit. And then verse 7 is the fourth category, and that is the manifestation or the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. 
These are the manifestations. We've looked at them. This is where a lot of folks in the church have become confused because they have been taught, and we have been taught, that verses 8 through 11 are a listing of more spiritual gifts. And if you've been with us through our time, we've learned that these aren't spiritual gifts, but rather the working of the Holy Spirit coming alongside you in your spiritual gifts. So nobody can walk around and say, I have the gift of healing, although God will come with his spirit and bring forth healing through you. You just can't walk around and just start healing people. The Holy Spirit gives sovereignly. As he's led, or the, the word of knowledge. There'll be those, that, well, I always have the word of knowledge. That's not true. You don't always have the word of knowledge. You don't always, you and I don't always have full knowledge. It's almost like God is giving us insight of what it's going to be like when we shed our earthly bodies and we know Jesus face to face. We're filled with knowledge, filled with wisdom, completely, perfectly healed. And tonight we look at the working of miracles. We've already looked, notice, here's the listing. For to one is given the word of wisdom, we've looked at that, through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge, through that same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings, by the same Spirit, that we looked at that last time. And now, in verse 10, to another, the working of miracles. Remember the manifestations of the Spirit. One way to remember them is looking at them like, and you might even write this in the margin, spiritual power tools, where there are particular tools that you use for particular needs. You use a hammer for one thing, a screwdriver for another, and you want the right tool for the right task. It's the same thing spiritually. You want to have the right tool. The Holy Spirit's going to give you what you need. You don't need to give someone a word of wisdom when he needs a word of knowledge. And the Holy Spirit will help you with that. There will be times when you not only have a word of knowledge for someone, but God also comes alongside and gives you the word of wisdom to help them not only the what needs to be said, but what it looks like in their life. It's glorious. It takes the pressure off of us. I don't believe God ever intended you and I to take on the pressures that we take on when we try to serve him. And we get so tired, we get so burned out, and we get so beat up when I could hear heaven just say, hey, just rest in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You and I, we are then faithful to the Lord, but God is always responsible for the outcome. You and I, we can be faithful. But whatever comes out of it, God's responsible. And he'll show up in our lives when we need it. So working of miracles. Let me give you a definition. The manifestation of the working of miracles is simply defined as a supernatural work of power that does what the natural processes could never do. The supernatural work of power that does what the natural processes could never do. It's something that is contrary to nature and supersedes nature. Workings of miracles can even put nature on pause and do something that there's no explanation for. It can't be explained. You you know that the Holy Spirit's moving in a supernatural way when you are trying to explain it, and what are you going to say? It just, that's what happened. It frustrates the skeptic, the supernatural work of God. 
The workings of miracle is the Holy Spirit working through a man or woman to bring about something, and we can use this phrase because we use it a lot, something outside of the box spiritually, unexplainable. The Bible is filled with miracles. You study through the Bible and every page. Turn over to Genesis, would you, chapter 1, verse 1. Let me give you the big one. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The simplicity of the Bible is amazing. Because if you and I absorb Genesis 1-1, the rest of the Bible is very easy. If you absorb and believe and understand that God is the creator, then everything else in the Bible, even if you can't explain it, you go, hey man, if, if God could create the world, he can do that? And I've seen it with my own eyes. In the beginning, man made up a theory of the creation of the heavens and the earth. That's no miracle. That's just us trying to control and explain what is unexplainable. The Bible says that in the beginning, God, not man, created the heavens and the earth. You know, there's a big scientist that's going around. He's got a lot of attention lately, uh, Stephen Hawking's. He's talking about how creation happened, you know, from gravity. And that's his new theory. And it's all in depth. And you can look at and, 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 you know, the, it begs the question, doesn't it? You can get all, you can be very stumbled by people that are very, very smart. But they're actually not that smart. Because if, if everything happened from gravity, then it begs the question, where did gravity come from? Uh, let me go back to the drawing board on that one. But we know the theory, don't we? It's a very popular theory. There are those today that don't believe in miracles, that can't absorb Genesis 1-1. And so they try to explain them away. They try to duplicate them. They, they try to put something in a Petri dish and say, see what we've done, but you have created something out of something. God created something out of nothing. Do that and come back to me. That's not possible. The very Petri dish and all the stuff in it, everything about it's already been created. And man has created all sorts of things, but the only thing that they can say is, look what man has done. Limited to the abilities and the intelligence of man, where as you begin these discussions, it always begs the question, so you're smart? Yeah, I'm smart. You created that? Yeah. Well, where'd you get the smartness from? Well, I learned it. Where'd you learn it from? Well, this guy, where'd he get it from? And it has to go somewhere. It just didn't drop out of the sky. God created. He is intelligent. He's the one that made us smart or help us learn. And man's always trying to duplicate stuff. That is not new. For those of you that study the Bible, you remember as Moses was before Pharaoh. He had all these miracles that were these judgments that were supposed to really tell Pharaoh, dude, you're in trouble, man. Repent. Get right. And instead, the magicians would come and do the same thing. That's like, what are you thinking? Yeah, I see the frogs. We can do that too. Let's just, I know the frogs are ruining the, the landscape. We can bring more frogs to ruin the landscape. That's real smart. Smart magicians. Because man, we're not that smart. Without the wisdom of God, it, it may be offensive to you, but it's the truth of the word. We, we aren't smart without God's wisdom. We don't know what we need to know unless God reveals it to us. And when you explain away Genesis 1-1, then the Bible becomes very hard for you. 
There's this falsehood of this worldly wisdom that we live in today. So much of the worldly wisdom of the world has really seeped into our thinking. You have to step back and see things objectively in order to understand how God sees things. The only way that happens is through the Spirit, the washing and the regeneration of the Word of God in your life, to see things the way God sees them. To dismiss the supernatural leaves a person spiritually bankrupt. They have nothing on which to build their lives. They're building their lives like that illustration that Jesus gave on the shifting sands. And although they might have a beautiful house, and although their life might look wonderful, although they have the the newest things and, and the impressiveness of their life, I want you to know it's when the storms come that it reveals the foundation of a life. It's the same with you. You have the opportunity to build on a solid foundation or on the shifting sands. And it's the storms of life that reveal. And it'll show you what you're built on, what you've been building on. And the beauty of it is you and I have that faith in Jesus. If we have been building on shifting sands, God will undo that building and then help us to rebuild the right way. He's not just going to ruin everything. Go up, pick the wrong foundation, no second chance. Our God is the God of second chances. And one of the ways that he reminds us of his presence, one of the ways that he blows our minds is by bringing about the working of miracles in our midst. The supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. God is not bound by natural laws. He supersedes them. He's able to make the sun stop if he wants. He can make the earth stop rotating. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. You're listening to a message taught by Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. You can hear it again online at calvaryaurora.org or purchase a CD copy for $2 by calling 877-30-GRACE. Ed, as you were talking about the workings of miracles today, I was thinking you've probably seen God work in some amazing ways through the years. Is there a particular miracle that comes to mind that might be encouraging to our listeners? Now, I know, Larry, when I taught these studies uh, many years ago that describing miracles, uh, I I mentioned that one of the greatest miracles— that we we ever see, and we see it literally every day. We hear about it every day. In our church family here in Aurora, we see it almost every weekend, and that's the miracle of new birth, of a man, a woman, a boy, a girl being born again. And I think back in my own life, I've seen miracles of God's provision. I've seen miracles of, of restoration. I've seen miracles of reconciliation. Uh, I've seen the miraculous um, in so many ways that it's, it's glorious and wonderful, but the greatest miracle is a saved soul. And I know many of you listening in right now are just praying for someone to be saved, and I would just encourage you, don't quit. Continue to pray for this miraculous, not humanly possible situation. The days of miracle are, miracles are not over. God still manifests manifest himself in supernatural ways. He still works in ways that blow our minds, and He enters into our life. And as we're growing in grace, pray for the miracle of provision. Pray for the miracle of God interceding. Pray for the miracle of reconciliation. Pray for the miracle of of eyes to see and 
and poor uh, to be fed and people in prisons to be encouraged. I mean, on and on and on. But let's not forget the most common miracle. It's so common that we don't even see it that way anymore, is a changed life. So don't give up. Keep loving and keep sharing the gospel with people. And don't forget when you're sharing the gospel, always end it this way. Is there any reason right now that you can't pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? And just go for it and end it well and say, hey, let's pray to receive Jesus right now. We picked out a wonderful book this month we think you'll get a lot out of. It's called The Prisoner in the Third Cell by Gene Edwards. John the Baptist was imprisoned by Herod, and no doubt he struggled to understand a Lord who didn't meet his expectations. This dramatic account will offer insight into the ways of God, and we'll send it your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. And thank you for your support as it allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. We can't do it alone. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or make a secure donation online at calvaryaurora.org. If you'd rather write, our address is Abounding Grace, Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado, 80046. We'll return to the subject of the Holy Spirit next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora. 